Network presents Football Time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Football Time Show. NFL Week 2 is in the books, and it was a crazy week. Oh, highest of highs and the lowest of lows, both in the games and on the betting side of things. So, uh, interesting week with us, as always, is Achilles Rain. What did you make of Week 2, Achilles uh, you know, a lot of upsets, just kind of like week one, uh, a lot of unexpected uh, outcomes. But uh, overall, I think a pretty entertaining week. Yeah, definitely so entertainment-wise. Let's get to the first of the crazy games. Let's get to Dolphins-Ravens. Uh, I, I think we talked about on Friday about how we thought this might start to lean a little bit of a blowout towards the Ravens. Uh, we looked like geniuses uh, for three quarters there. Um and uh, then we did not look like geniuses because all of a sudden Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, uh, and Tua started uh, just drilling bombs uh, nonetheless. But uh, I, I think what I take away from this game is, you know, I, I watched a lot of it. That first half, I, I was just, it was more of the same from like Tua. You see some good plays, you see some bad plays. But, you know, really towards the end of that second half, uh, third quarter into that fourth quarter it, it finally looked like everything just sort of clicked for Tua now we don't know if that will carry over game to game but this was the guy you saw at Alabama you know reading things right hitting guys in stride on explosive plays and you know just bam 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 everything perfect precision he, he looked good moving outside the pocket avoiding the rush which is something that you know I, I think has been the most uh clear that had not come back to him since that hip surgery at the end of alabama and it, it just looked like everything sort of came together in this game so what do you make of this game we'll get to the ravens but what do you make of this dolphins what do you make of tua here on this uh big time comeback and the 42 38 win here yeah, I mean, listen, a little surprising. Uh, I, I know this Dolphins team is pretty good, but I, I didn't expect this type of comeback, and I also didn't expect them to – it looked like they were getting completely manhandled, but I think this was definitely a coming-out party for Tua. Uh, you see why he was so highly touted coming out of college. And, you know, it was about time that we saw a game like this because, as you mentioned, he's – his so far his career has kind of reminded me a little bit of kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo where – he does a lot of really good things that he can get your team somewhere, but is he going to be that guy that gets you over the hump? And I think that this performance showed that as long as his development continues to go the way it's going, he could definitely get you to the promised line. But uh, it, it really good to see. I think if you're a Dolphins fan, uh, pretty exciting stuff to see. Yeah, uh, that's actually a great comp because I, I was thinking about that today. Tua, probably before this last you know quarter and a half, you know, I think you'd put him in like the Jimmy G category or a couple other guys. His overall record, you know, was 17 and 8. That's a good NFL record. So I don't like when I hear, oh, he can't win in this league because he's been winning in this league, you know, even when he hasn't played great. He just hasn't lived up to probably the expectations you had for him, you know, 
coming out of the draft. But some of that uh, he can't control. The, you know, coaching situations, the offensive coordinator situations, you know, the COVID situations into his rookie year mixed with that hip injury that I think, you know, uh, you know, you just go back 35 years, that ended Bo Jackson's career. It was the exact same injury. So, you know, I, I think it took a little longer. So we'll see if he can sustain this. But uh, it, it, you finally saw a game where he looked like he could be one of the quarterbacks who could carry, uh, you know, a, a team to a win. Now, that being said, um, wow, these Dolphins receivers on the outside, uh, you know, it, it's almost a little bit, uh, like the old school Rams, uh, you know, in the uh, late 90s, you know, early 2000s with like Holt and Bruce. But, you know, even like Holt and Bruce, I don't think were this kind of explosive. They were really, really elite receivers. But these two guys, you know, they can take a swing pass for 70 yards and they can just both blow the top off your, your defense. So what kind of receiver combination is this here? Can this you know, carry you throughout a playoff uh, series and, and maybe get you to a Super Bowl. I, I know it's a little early to start looking like that, but we've seen two weeks now of this Dolphins team, and honestly, I think they're the most explosive team in the uh, AFC, and probably if you're saying it in the AFC, uh, there's nothing explosive going on on the NFC side of things right now. But uh, what do you make of these two as a, a receiver combination here? I mean, they're just explosive. Uh, you know, we already knew that, you know, uh, that Hill is going to be super fast regardless of who's throwing him the ball. He's got the speed to kill defenses. And you you saw Waddle uh, show that to us last year, you know, and I think a lot of people were kind of wondering if it was going to work having two guys with that type of elite speed, you know, opposite sides of each other. But you're, you're seeing that the accolades that, that Hill's bringing, you know, from KC uh, is – is drawn attention towards his side of the field, which is leaving Waddle open for a lot of, you know, longer mid, uh, mid tier plays and it's working now. It, you know, it does take some time to refine and it's not going to work all the time, but you see when it does, it can be pretty deadly because uh, I mean, honestly, it, it got to the point where I tuned off of that game because I thought there's no way they're coming back from this. This game's over. And, and then I start getting alerts on my phone about the score. And I, I had to go back and look at it because couldn't believe it, but it's just so much speed. And, you know, you mentioned uh, the the greatest show on turf receivers, uh, Holton Bruce, and I, I agree. The the deadliness is they're different receivers. Yeah. You know, those guys they were uh, you know kind of bigger bodies and more possession guys with you know uh, refined uh, route running. But these guys are just as deadly. Uh, you know, their their biggest weapon is is their speed. Yeah, um, you know, you, you think about this in the. Dolphins haven't even really gotten that running game going. Now, I don't know if they will figure that out, but uh, the offensive coordinator comes from a background where they have always been able to run the ball. So, you know, if they can start to figure that out and, and mix that in, do you put this team, uh, you know, in – you probably don't quite put them up there with Kansas City or Buffalo yet, but uh, would they be, like, right on that next, uh, you know – drop-off level tier two or do you want to see you know a, a little bit more from them you know and that's this is the weird thing about this team is that you know you look at this type of performance you get excited about it and you're like yeah but i want to see it on a consistent basis and, and the reality of it is that it, it has been happening on a consistent basis 
they've been winning for the yeah. last couple of seasons. I mean, these are uh, basically playoff-bound Dolphins, but it, it, it just, for some reason, there's something there that just doesn't click. It, it just doesn't feel right. Uh, it, maybe this is the year. You know, now with uh, two, two speedy wide receivers on opposite sides of each other, maybe this is what catapults them to the next level. But I, I definitely think that they've got what they take, what it takes, and I think they've really proved it uh, over the last couple of seasons. All right, let's flip things over to the Ravens. Uh, it, it's it, it's sort of a hard to criticize them because you know their offense looked really, really good. Lamar Jackson was ridiculous. Bateman and Duvernay have played really, really good at, at wide receiver. I've thought. You got to give them a little bit of a pass on the running game because you know uh, their legit running backs aren't quite back yet. But you know this defense has been sort of trending downward a, a little bit the last let's go three years, and you know a lot of it has to do with injuries. But injuries started to mount up in this game too, and you know I, I've talked about it the same thing with the 49ers. You you can only come so many times with oh injuries are killing our team well you know health is part of this you have to stay healthy in this it's hard to criticize the ravens because for three quarters they they played a ridiculous game but uh what are your thoughts on the ravens here is just just sort of they got you know hit with a a barrage and we still look good at, at the ravens or are you seeing some more and more cracks in here Listen, the cracks are going to be there. There's there's issues with injuries. Their death isn't quite there right now, so there's going to be issues. The cracks are pretty evident to anybody who's watching. But there's definitely a lot of good things to you know to to go go after this game because, as you mentioned, they dominated pretty much for about the first three quarters of the game until that fourth quarter when uh, you know Miami really made a big push. But they were they could do no wrong. Uh, Lamar Jackson was having a good game. His receivers were playing well. Tight ends were involved. And the defense was doing just enough to keep them ahead. It's just that fourth quarter, man. That's really what did it for them. And, you know, it did them in. And unfortunately for them, they they couldn't close it out. And I think that they they take the positives from this game, but they also look at the big picture. You know, you you got to close games like these out. You can't assume that these teams are going to put themselves away. Yeah, and you know uh, the other thing I put in that not many other teams have have the receiver combination and explosive ability to do this. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't downgrade the Ravens too much, but I certainly got my eye uh, and see if this uh, sort of defensive explosive, uh, you know, uh, of giving up big plays continues, you know, on. And uh, we'll see what happens when the, a couple of the Ravens running backs come back healthy and they're sort of able to sort of salt this game away. Uh, you know, I, I think a, cover, a couple of teams were unable to sort of put games away because uh, either one, coaches chose not to run or they just probably don't have totally the capabilities, uh, you know, to, you know, sort of run and salt these uh, games away. One who doesn't have a problem running and salt the games away was the Cleveland Browns. But uh, I don't even know what to call this because collapse would be an insult to the word collapse here. Uh, the Jets won 31-30. Um, it was a two-touchdown game. Uh, of course, the you know field goal kicker missed the extra point, which started the doom stretch of uh, 
somehow blowing a 13-point lead in a minute and 33 seconds. Um, I don't even know what to say to this game other than I, I think I was Nostradamus and uh, sort of... <laughs> I think I started on it in about the second quarter that uh, the Browns are going to find a way to blow this. Um, what do you make of this Browns loss here? Because this one, it, it stinks because this was literally a, a victory <laughs> and it no longer is. Yeah, like you said, it stings. It really hurts because this was supposed to be a win, at least on paper. And going into the game, they were definitely, you know, really living that because they were dominating that game. And it seemed like, like I said earlier, they could do no, Nick Chubb was just going off. And I just assumed this game is going to go exactly as I thought, which is going to be, they're going to just ground and pound it all day, all game long and, and tire this Jets defense out. And it seemed like it was going that way. And all of a sudden this score completely shifted and, and you know, kudos to the Jets. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of people were counting them out and they came back and, and pulled it off. So you got to give them props, but you know, if you're Cleveland, you can't get too down. You know, I think that you got to look at the bigger picture here. You have, uh, you know, certain players that aren't available to you right now, and it's, it's pretty obvious that, you know, you're lacking talent at that position. But once he gets back, if you can keep playing this way, I mean, the sky's the limit. They got a pretty good defense. They got a really good running attack. Now, if they can get the quarterback position secured, I mean, I hate to say it, but this team could be playoff team. Yeah, a, a couple things on the Browns that uh, concern me. Uh, you know, I ended up watching a lot of this game, uh, sort of. Uh, thanks, uh, Sunday Ticket, uh, for the nice hour and a half, uh, you know, error message. Uh, thank God we get rid of DirecTV. But uh, nonetheless, I watched the replay of this game because I, I just wanted to see if, if you watch week one's game, uh, versus the Carolina Panthers in that, you know, defensive front and those safeties, they just seemed like there was high energy and they were flying around all over the place. And it just seemed like in this game, though they were dominating it for most of it, they didn't seem to have that sort of same high-level energy. They seemed a little bit lazier. They seemed like, oh, we got this game. We can control this game. And I don't think that's a new thing for this Browns team because – We've been watching it for three or four years now where this Browns team has acquired enough talent to win football games, you know, and they just seem to, it's a little bit like Minnesota. Now we'll get to them. You know, some games you get that high energy and that front line terrorizing Baker Mayfield. And then this game, you sort of get, okay, we'll pick and choose our spots. And they just seem to turn off there and then boom, big play, boom. You know, big play, onside kick, and, you know, all of a sudden a 14-point lead is over. And that one would be what concerns me with the Browns if they can, you know, at least maintain a record. They need to be able to defensively. They don't get the little rest. They have to win games defensively and with Nick Chubb. And they just didn't seem to bring it defensively this week, and I wonder if it's going to just sort of be that all season. One game we're going to get, crazy harassment of the quarterback corners and safeties flying around and then you know one week we get sort of eh we're good enough to sort of just play our position and not have to come all that hard and this sometimes is the result when that happens yeah i, I get where you're coming from you know it's it's 
But I, I don't know. I, like I said, there's a lot of good things to this team. It's just, it just doesn't seem to come together at the right time for them, yeah. unfortunately. But, uh, you know, a game that was winnable, a game that they probably should have won. But, you know, this is kind of like the theme for this show today is uh, like upsets and, uh, you know, those big spread covers because uh, they had this game won. They, they, they had a good lead and the Jets came back and won. So you got to tip your hat off yeah. to the Jets. The, the one thing I don't want to hear is we're getting a lot of Nick Chubb should have gone down right before the touchdown. Now, I'm an all fan for that, but that's when you're about to, like, win the game and kick the game-winning field goal or, you know, go right up to seven and you don't want the other team to have the ball. I, I don't quite respond to it when you're going up two scores with a minute 33 left in the game and the other team has one freaking timeout. So I, I I didn't like that a lot of people were trying to put this on Nick Chubb uh, because you assume as a professional football team you can put away a game up two scores with a minute 33 left. So, you know, I, I'm all for situational diving before you score the touchdown but in an instance where you're going up two touchdowns that just it, it seems like a scapegoat reason where maybe we should start looking at the defense and giving up huge chunk plays in the last minute 30 of a game where your only job is basically to keep everything in front of you yeah you called it you know people are blaming nick chubb and uh you know i personally would have liked them to work more clock management but you know that's neither here nor there because at the end of the day, you still, as a defense, have to stop the opposing team from scoring multiple scores, you know, within a minute and a half. So you can't put it on him. If anything, you put it on the entire team as a whole or you put it on the defense or the coaching staff, but you can't put it on him. He he had a great game. Yeah. Uh, how about don't get beat for a 65-yard pass with a minute to go? That, that would be my, uh, you know... You know, I've given Joe Flacco a, a lot of guff, but uh, I, I will say that last, like, five minutes, he was throwing darts. It, it almost looked like 2008 Joe Flacco. Um, so uh, Almost. Uh, bully up to him. Uh, I don't know if he can bring that uh, every week. But, uh, yeah, looked like old-school Joe Flacco in that one. And I will say, you know, this Jets receiving core is it's a little frisky. Uh, you know, they got uh, the rookie Garrett Wilson. We mentioned, uh, you know, uh, former Tennessee Titans, uh, White. Uh, we're just probably going to rub that in <laughs> as much as we can. Uh, so, nonetheless, I, I thought this Jets receiving core looked uh, pretty uh, solid. Uh, you know, so when Wilson gets back, maybe they can breathe a little life in into their offensive game defensively. Uh, I'm not quite as sold. I know people seem to think the defense is okay, but, uh, you know, giving up 30 points to Cleveland with they basically have two running backs and nothing else uh, concerns me a little bit. All right, let's go to one of the games that wasn't uh, a blowout. Uh, Lions sort of maintained control throughout. A couple scary spots here and there, but uh, you know, uh, the one thing that never lets you down is the uh, Washington uh, Commies defense, which somehow has like 75 first round picks on it, but uh, gets torched every uh, week. Uh, what do you make of this Lions offense? Is it 
going to continue to be this explosive with Swift and Amara St. Brown and, you know, Jared Goff, you know, flinging the ball all over the place? Or is this uh, just a little bit of a a nice little run here where you're playing two home games versus the Eagles and uh, uh, the Commies here? Listen, I wish I could tell you I know what it is, but I really don't know what this is because you know how I am. I, I kind of, you know, get a little soft spot in my heart for these uh, hard knock teams. And, you know, I got to watch the Lions during their training camp and a lot of their players kind of grew on me. And I, I hope, you know, I hope that they do good. And obviously Jared Goff, former Ram, I, I kind of, you know, always hope nothing for the best for him. But you see the way that they're playing and it catches you off guard. Now, I had the Lions winning this game. Um and I just didn't think they were going to dominate the way they did. And I know that it was closed in a few instances in that game, but I think overall, if you just watch the entire game, it was the Lions pretty much the entire entire day. Uh, surprising, but entertaining to watch too. You know, they're playing with a lot of grit. You know, they don't have a lot of big name guys, uh, especially on the defense side, other uh, other than their, uh, you know, first round pick. Uh, but they're making plays, man. And I think that's like one of the coolest things about football is you take a team that a lot of team, a lot of people are considering to be probably the worst team in the NFC, if not the NFL uh, this season. And they're coming out They're They're fighting, man. They're, they're, they're like dogs. And, and that's the kind of football I like to watch. I know that it's the commies, but it's still, I think uh, pretty good for Detroit fans after like all the bad stuff they've gone through. Yeah. I, I've been impressed. Uh, you know, uh, rewatch the game today because I was in and out uh, of this one. It wasn't like number one on my screen. And, you know, that offense has looked legit two weeks in a row. You know, Swift and, and Jamal Williams out of the backfield. You know, uh, you know, we we joked, but at some point we got to take this Amon Ross St. Brown thing like legit serious. It's like eight games now where he's had like eight receptions and, you know, at some point, it's probably not so much of a fluke. This is probably a pretty good, you know, receiver in our league. So I don't know if they can keep scoring to the rate of like 35 points a game, uh, you know, especially when they hit a couple of real defenses. But I do think they can sort of play with certainly every team in the NFC because, uh, you know, we're going to go through this list and I, I don't even know who we, we'd sort of check mark as you know, elite right now in the NFC side of things. So, you know, I, I definitely think, I don't know if they can be good enough to quite get that playoff spot, uh, but I certainly think they could play with, a, you know, most of these NFC teams and maybe they catch a couple breaks and, and win a couple games that uh, they probably shouldn't here. Yeah, I mean, they're playing, you know, with enough grit that, uh, they definitely could, you know, pull up an upset here and there. If you do, if you don't watch out for this team, they're going to sneak up on you. Yeah. Uh, anything on the commies? Uh, you know, I, I made a comment about the defense. Um, it, it's just not good. Uh, you know, it, I don't know what to say. I don't know how it's not good. Uh, they have a lot of very high-level players, but, I, I mean, they should have lost that game the week before to Jacksonville, uh, you know, Jacksonville left a handful of plays on the field. Uh, they get torched this game um, offensively. Uh, quite honestly, I don't think I've ever seen a, a quarterback quite like Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, one play, he's throwing a 60-yard dot <laughs> dart between, you know, three defenders and hitting some guy in stride. And then the next one, he's underhand pitching it to the uh, other team. So uh, anything on the commies other than, 
how long do you think Ron Rivera can sort of maintain job status? I, I got a couple coaches that are probably teetering on the brink here. See, I, normally I would say that I think that he'd really be on the hot seat, but I think with the turmoil that this franchise is going through, uh, it, it's made it so that they want a, a little bit of consistency, at least at one position within the organization. And, I mean, he's a great coach to have around. You know, the people like him, fans like him. And, you know, he's he's a good coach. So I think that he's not really on the hot seat just yet. Uh, you know, you add a few more losses to his record, uh, especially if there's a chance where they might be able to compete for, you know, uh, the division. Then I think then it starts to get a little warmer. But I think as of now, he's okay. Uh, I do want to say that Carson Wentz, I, I didn't have really high expectations for him. And even though he hasn't been great, He's definitely been better than I expected him yeah. to be. Uh, We're if about that to defense get into the situation he left and whether they actually have improved. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I'm just saying if if they had that defense that they had a couple of seasons ago, yeah. with the mediocre play that they're getting on offense, and I'm not downplaying it by saying mediocre, uh, but you know, they've been able to put points on the board. Which... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now granted, it hasn't been against the elite of teams, but they're they're still doing their job. So. Uh, you know, if they had that defense, uh, they could be a pretty good team right now. Yeah, I don't know where that defense is gone, but uh, it went far away. The, you know, the other thing, I just, I don't think a lot of people care in Washington anymore. There's, you know, there's not like a huge uprising to be like, eh, fire him. Because I, I, I honestly just think it's sort of hopeless. It's, yeah, we fire him, bring in somebody new the same thing happens. The same thing has basically happened with Washington since Daniel Snyder, you know, took over. There's been maybe two or three teams that you would even sort of consider uh, relative to an NFL season. Even when they made the playoffs uh, a couple of years ago, it was like an 8-8, eight and 7-9 eight, and nine team. It wasn't a, like a, a team that was really anything you remember in your uh, uh, life of oh we're gonna talk about the washington football team in the year they went seven and eight and almost beat the Tampa bay bucks in the first round of the playoffs but uh what i think we can get a little bit more uh coaching hot seat here uh jags 24 colts nothing now i, I talked about it on our, our show on friday that I thought the Jacks could be spunky and play with them. They seem to own uh, the Colts a little bit here. Uh, but this game was over by halftime, and basically both teams shook hands and rolled it up and just ran this clock out the whole second half. There was just nothing from the Colts here, and the Jags just whipped them uh, for the first half and game over. Before we get to the Jags... Uh, how long do you think Frank Wright has? We're on fifth quarterback in all five of his years. Some of that is not his fault. You know, Andrew Luck frequently retired. And then you're, you know, left sitting there with a team that's contending. And you're probably trying to grab straws on a veteran quarterback. But when you're doing that, you're getting either two at the end of the, their life in Rivers and, you know, Ryan. And then one who... Lord knows what you're going to get, uh, not even week to week, but uh, snap to snap. Way to play. Basically. So how hot do you think this seat is for Frank Wright? You know, I, I like Frank Wright, but you just, 
I, I think I told you today, the Colts do the same thing. They're going to start two and six, two and five, three and seven, and then they'll make this little run at the end of the year to, you know, try to get in there. But patience has to be wearing out uh, from the Colts side of things here. See, and that's the thing is, do you do you really expect it right now as it sits with them? What are they? One and oh, oh one and one. Yeah, they should have lost you, that Texans game too. It was a miracle. Yeah, so, so, I mean, let's just say, let's just count it as a loss, just for just for, you know, it's early in the season. So let's just say zero oh and two. Let's say they lose the next, you know, uh, the next four out of the next six. And then somehow they start winning games towards the end of the season. Do you think that saves his job? I just think that at this point, now I know the Andrew Luck situation wasn't really, you know, very unfortunate, but besides that, you had Rivers there who, say what you want to say, he, he did pretty good. I know that he wasn't, you know, his San Diego self, but he did pretty good. You know, you get the uh, Wentz experiment, it doesn't work out there. Now you got Matt Ryan who doesn't look anything near, I mean, even, even, Going back to last season, he doesn't look anything close to what he was. All I know is that interception bet was over within <laughs> uh, 35 seconds. I think I was sending a group tech message of catch them, baby. <laughs> but, I mean, listen, at some point, you all, you have to take some responsibility for what you're doing. He's, he's managing that team. Yeah. You know, he's got to bring the best out of these guys. And. He's got like a all-star freaking running running back, you know, the offensive line. Granted, they've been giving up a lot of sacks lately and, and they're not really good in pass protection, but when it comes to run blocking, they're definitely doing their job there. The defense at one point was really, really good. We're talking about uh, you know, playoff contender good. And it's kind of nowhere. And now you look at them and they're let's just say 0 and 2. I know they're 0 1 and 1, but let's say 0 and 2 to start the season and if I'm a Colts fan, I don't care if you win the last eight games of the season and, and you know are playing for a playoff spot in that last game because I know you're going to lose. That's what they've been doing over the last couple of seasons. At some point, you know this repetitive cycle has has to get pretty old. You know what it reminds me of? You'll re it reminds me of Jeff Fisher's tenure with the Rams, where it, it, it always got off to a slow start. Then they find a little rhythm, you know, at some point in the season. But it, it now those teams probably were definitely not as talented as this Colts team. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, you know, but nonetheless. Steven Jackson. Yeah. But nonetheless, it, it was still, you know, it's how about we play consistently throughout and not start, you know, zero and six and then have to win five games to claw back to 500. And then, you know, we're in a dog fight to get into the playoffs. It's just, you've, you've, you're Oh, one and one and you've basically played the Texans and the Jacks. You should be two and zero at this yes. point. Now, you know, I'm going to get into the Jags and quite frankly, from what I've seen the first two weeks, they probably are the favorite right now in the AFC South, which probably is more a detriment to what we've seen football playing wise out of the AFC South than anything. But the defense is not what the defense should be. The offense is just now they didn't have Michael Pittman. I, I you know, they were running with, but it's always something with this Colts team. It's always something. It can't always be something. You have to get wins, and I just – I didn't look where you know, the bye was, but if 
even if he's won two games, if they're, you know, two or three games below 500, I I just, I don't think you can save this situation. I, I think it's probably about time and he's sort of run his course here. You know, the, the sad thing about this whole situation is that over the last couple of seasons that the Colts have actually been playoff competitive, uh, they, they always seem to be, you know, right on the Titans' heels. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, the Titans got to be careful. If they lose the next couple of games, the, the Colts could take over the division. And the Titans would lose, you know, uh, games that they should have won. And you're thinking that this Colts team is going to win this easy game, this gimme, and they would lose. And it seems like they don't want to take that next step. Yeah. It's almost like it's 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 a mental thing at this point. You know, and when stuff like that starts to uh, affect the franchise, it, it's time for an overhaul. And I'm not saying that that's the case right now, but if things keep going that way, I, I mean, it's time to definitely start looking into it, I think. Yeah, and we talk a lot about, like, teams' windows here. And, you know, honestly, I think both the Colts and Titans, that that door is closing quick. Because you look at this Jags team, you look at that Texas team, the way they play, and the amount of draft picks they have coming up, I just, that window for Colts and Titans to be contenders, I I think is closing quick. Because I think the Jags and the Texans are starting to sort of rebuild and find their form. Now, uh, let's switch things to the Jags. Honestly, we've watched two games, and I've watched pretty much every one of these teams play all their games. Uh, Right now, I think the Jags are the best team in that AFC South. You know, uh, Lawrence looks like a whole different quarterback. You know, you saw it in this game. He was flinging the ball around and throwing darts all over the place. The run game seems pretty solid with ATN and Robinson. I, I think the defense probably can be had a little bit, but we talked about it on Friday. They got some explosive playmakers. You know, the Georgia kid looks really, really good. We both sort of questioned that first-round pick, but he's played really, really well. They got Josh Allen, the defensive one, not the quarterback one on the other end of that. I just, I'm curious your thoughts here. Do you think Tennessee or the Colts find themselves, or do you think this Jags team has already sort of jumped them a little bit, uh, you know, so far to this season? I'm expecting a bit of a bounce back from either the Titans or the Colts. And that's not to say that I truly believe that these teams are are going to do it. It's more of a, this is what we've seen over the last couple of seasons, you know, so it's the first two weeks of the season, you know, and it's really hard for us to not get excited about the results that we've seen from certain teams like the Jaguars, you know, I mean, they're, they're undefeated, right? I mean, they're one and one right now. And, uh, Based off how they did last season, you got to be excited, you know, even if you're not a Jaguars fan, to see this young team succeed the way they're doing. To me, the biggest surprise for this team has been the addition of Kirk. You know, I I, I kind of uh, laughed at, at the signing. I, I was taken aback by the numbers and all that. But watching him on the field, yeah. it seems like they, like they weren't paying for, uh, you know, expectations of what his skill set looks like to everybody else. They were paying based off – the expectations on his fit with this team. And, and it seems like the, they're building a team that fits together as opposed to trying to put together the best players at each position. Yeah, yeah. I heard something that probably, it, it makes sense. He's probably a $20 million receiver. 
that sort of got 40 because there's a tax, you know, to make a free agent move to Jacksonville. And that's just sort of, okay, you want me to come to Jacksonville, you got to pay me a little bit more money here. And he's been great. Uh, you know, I, I think we both questioned a little bit the amount of money, but, you know, all in all, if he's going to play like this, I think you're more than happy with it. Uh, you know, watching Hollywood Brown and Christian Kirk, I just get a little bit of a, a giggle because uh, I think we're seeing uh, what sort of receiver Hollywood Brown is, and Christian Kirk has been great, uh, you know. All right, uh, I, I apologize for us covering these next three games because uh, this was just brutal television to watch. Uh, Bucks saints 2010. Um 2010 is flattering because this game was basically 6-3 up into, uh, I don't know, eight minutes left into the fourth quarter. And then Brady made a throw, and uh, Jameis Winston decided to get uh, kerosene and uh, some matches and uh, set fire to the Superdome. And I don't mean that he was throwing darts. I mean he literally set the place on fire. Uh, You know, they came out with the Jameis has bruised ribs, Afterwards, um, honestly, I, I think that switch needs to be made to Andy Dalton. It's just we we've seen Jameis. We know what Jameis is. Yeah, you might get one or two throws where he drops a seventy-yard bomb right on the money, but basically, like I said, this was a six-three game, and on like four straight possessions, he threw picks. That. That can't be done. That's not even like Carson Wentz level, you know, inconsistency. That just can't be done by an NFL quarterback. So I just, as good as that Saints defense was, they aren't going to score points on offense with Jameis Winston there because he's going to give the other team points too. And basically that's what the Tampa Bay defense said. They said we didn't need to score points because we knew Jameis would give us one. And he did. I mean, the biggest problem with Jameis is the fact that he's been inconsistent in his time in New Orleans. You know, you see flashes of, of uh, the, the the highly touted prospect, and then you see Jameis Winston, the guy who led the league in interceptions. And, and it's just because of that, Stafford I do agree with you. somebody coming for him, by the way. <laughs> uh, it, because of that, I do agree with you. I do think that it's time to possibly start thinking about a change uh, at the quarterback position. But the problem is that I really do think that Jameis is like universally liked in that locker room. And I think that's why he's a starting quarterback right now, because based off what I'm seeing, at least on film, I don't see anything that leads me to believe that the next guy up can't do just as bad or good. I mean, what's the right word here? They can all uh, so, probably throw four interceptions in a game and four straight on four straight possessions, you know, and in, when Brady's having a game like he was, you know, I know he hasn't been good over the last couple, two couple games, but when he's having that type of game, you got to take advantage, yeah. especially a divisional game. You know, you're not going to get a lot of these chances. You got to pull off this win, and you, James Whitson couldn't rally his troops to do so. Uh, the most entertaining part of that game really was the uh, fight, you know, between the receivers. But now uh, I'm one receiver short unless he decides to appeal. Yeah, uh, let's switch things to the Bucks. I, that, this defense is really, really good. It, it might be easily the best in the NFC and one of the best in the league, but 
offensively. It, it wasn't just this game. It, it was the Cowboys game, too. Now, you know, their margin of victory has been great. They're 2-0. and oh. But this offense looks brutal. Basically, Brady made one throw to the tight end that got them the win, you know. But how far do you think this Bucks team can go? Because they are in the NFC, so you give them a little bit of, of a pass. Because, I, you know, honestly, every one of those teams in the NFC is horribly flawed right now. But... Their offense looks dreadful right now. Just dreadful. I, I know they've come up against two really good defensive teams in the Saints and the Cowboys, but wow, it, the offense has been bad. Yeah, you know, and definitely you do, you do give them a little bit of slack because they have played, you know, some pretty decent defenses for the first two games. But this is also Tom Brady. You know, a lot of people were questioning his uh, his – reason for returning and you just give it to him the guy it's won multiple championships so you just assume he's driven he's driven to win he wants to win this is what drives him and then he comes out and he plays the way he's been playing and i don't know i i really don't know i know that they have some injury concerns you know uh god was in there this game and we don't know what his uh availability is going forward but now you're talking about mike evans will probably get suspended for a game uh, they say he might appeal, but even if he does appeal, uh, at some point he's probably gonna have to serve a suspension. So y- y- there's just too many issues uh, in and out with receivers leaving last season with the Antonio Brown situation. Then you have uh, Gronkowski. I know that he wasn't really performing to the Gronk level, but he was a safety blanket, not just had a, a a comfort zone for for Brady. You know they've got all that chemistry. You got all these pieces going away, and it's hard to maintain the same caliber uh, of team uh, that you had when you won the Super Bowl when half those guys are gone now. So I'm not going to hold too much against them. I think that they can pick it up, especially once they get healthy. But there's definitely some signs to be concerned. Yeah, for sure. Uh, The bowl of mediocre Giants-Panthers. The Giants come out on top 19-16. I don't even know what to say in this game. Giants are 2-0, and Carolina's 0-2, both could be 0-2, both could be 1-1, both could be whatever. Uh, it, it was just sort of a mediocre game of poor to okay quarterback play, solid running back play. I don't even want to go like good defense. It's just... Two mediocre teams. Now that being said, the Giants play the Cowboys on, you know, Monday night. They probably could be three and zero. So, I, I mean, your only goal is to win, and that's sort of why I moved them into second place in that NFC East. But you see anything from either of these teams that uh, thrills your soul? No, I mean, unless you want to just look at the records. If that's the case, then the Giants are great, man. They're awesome. <laughs> Uh, but the reality of it is, you know, we, we've seen these performances and although it's definitely something to be excited about because there hasn't been a lot of things to be excited about in New York, uh, you know, you also want to slow your expectations down a bit and let's see them play against the elite teams or the good teams and, and see how they perform against them. That would be a good barometer. Um, the, the Panthers, man, you know, McCaffrey's been healthy for the first two games and 
they just can't get it going. You thought Baker was going to be a, a better option than they had before with Darnold, and it's just not clicking. I, I don't want to spend too much time on, on these games, uh, but it's just it, it's, it's mediocre football right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe both these teams will pick it up. Last thing on this, how long do you think Rule has here? That would be the other uh, coach I'm – to me, he's one of the one of the coach, probably the hottest seats uh, yeah. for coaches right now, uh, just because, as I said, they've had opportunities. Now, you know, you chalk it up to guys not being healthy or missing a certain key piece here and there, and they've addressed certain situations at least to the best of their ability, and it's still not working. So maybe it's the head coach. I don't know, uh, but something's got to change because this is you can't. No offense to Giants, but in my opinion, I thought that the Panthers were a better team. And they just didn't show it. Well, that's the thing. I, I think the Panthers have had two straight games where they've been the better team. And, you know, if you want to look at it, probably played better. And they've lost both games. Now, a little of that probably has to do with fluke. But some of that has to do with, you know, just decision-making and not getting the best out of what you're putting out there. Uh Next game, we're still in the mediocre bowl. Uh, this one might not even be the mediocre bowl. This might be two really bad team bowl. Uh, Patriots Steelers, seventeen uh, fourteen. Basically, this game was decided by two muffed punts. Uh, New England muffed theirs. Luckily, it traveled into the end zone, and the guy fell on it, and that's a touchback. Uh, Pittsburgh muffed theirs, did not get the touchback, gave the Patriots the ball on the five, and the Patriots scored. But um, other than that, I, I'm not sure what else happened in this game because these two teams are really, really bad right now. Yeah, <laughs> Well, listen. I, I, honestly, other than those two punt, I mean, those those two punt moves, I, I thought this game went kind of the way I expected it. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this because, uh, unfortunately, both these teams are kind of uh, in the middle of the pack here. But you know, the defense for the Steelers, I thought did okay without yeah. uh, without Watt. Uh, but you definitely noticed that he's not there. Uh, but you know, Fitzpatrick, I thought really stepped up in this game, and uh, a lot of positive signs for both teams here. Uh, going forward it's early in the season so there's still a lot of room for growth uh one question you know I, I guess it i wouldn't pull the trigger yet and i'm not really a believer in picket but how long do you go with trubisky here before you just see what you have in the rookie uh, i mean he just he's not good enough to really carry your team to win so at that point, it's probably just better off that you see what you have in the rookie so you can start planning for next season. I don't think you quite go there yet, but, I mean, honestly, if you watch this team, you can't think they're really going to be contending for a playoff spot out of the AFC. So how long do you think you go before you make that switch? You know, I wish I can give you a, real, a clear answer here, but I really can't, and the reason I can't is because I don't really see Coach uh, making a switch midseason, and the reason is, he's to me he hasn't been that coach at least since he's been with the Steelers. He hasn't been the type of coach to lay his arms down. Uh, this guy's going to fight to the better end, uh, try his best to you know uh, get at least into a wild card spot, and make the playoffs. That's the mentality for this guy, and, and that's the philosophy he's built in that uh, organization. So I can't really, but I, if it was me, I, I would say that. It depends on how the rest of the division is doing. 
If it looks like you're not going to contend like well, the rest of the division is going well away. Yesterday, everybody lost. That that's what I'm saying. That this is exactly why I said it depends on how the division's doing. If it's you know where you can still compete, then I think you stick with Trubisky. You know he's had uh, at least his feet in the fire, so to speak, a little bit. He's been in he's been in battles here and there. So you keep him in there. Uh, if it starts going all you know the the op- the wrong way, where you're just not winning games and the division's starting to pull pull away from you, then maybe you make a change and you kind of see what you got in him. But I think as of now, you stay put, uh, you know, uh, until things change. Yeah. All right. Uh, This game was a little bit better, but uh, I I think there are still question marks. Uh, Rams 31, Falcons 27 here. Uh, Rams offense looked much better. They at least seemed to get Allen Robinson involved a little bit more. Uh, I mean... Not playing Buffalo's defense will do that to you. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) when you come up against the Falcons' defense, uh, which basically I think was set in a prevent for the uh, whole four uh, quarters there, uh, got up big and then just sort of... uh, One, this was one of the games I was talking about where they don't seem to be able to you know, run the ball consistently enough to sort of salt these games away. And then, you know, it's all fun and good, gunslinger Matt Stafford, but you can't be gunslinging. Basically, Mario threw that ball up, and if that receiver hadn't mistimed his jump, he probably catches that ball over Ramsey, and the Rams probably lose this stupid game when they were up 28-3. to Listen, now now you're not going to sway me on this one, okay? Ramsey was going to out-jump him no matter what. All right. Uh, well, yeah, that's but just that guy had the inside. So <laughs> if he had, he just took off like five minutes early and was already coming down. Now, great listen, play by Ramsey, but the receiver had the inside. He just mistimed his jump. Listen, that that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You can't get me off of this <laughs> this branch. But uh, no, I, I get where you're coming from. It's definitely a little concerning. But uh, you know, I was on Twitter and I was listening to uh, Ram fans, and and you know, there was a lot of concern uh, from Ram fans. And oh, calm down. It's it's the first couple of weeks of the season. You know, you've got that Super Bowl hangover. You're missing a few guys that you had last year, so you're not the same team. Uh, but, you know, to me, when I was watching this game, to me it seemed more like McVay was trying to implement something. He was trying to use this game, which he thought was probably an easy win, which turned out not to be. But he was using this game to try and uh, implement certain things. He, he, t- he talked about how he wanted Akers to be more involved. Uh, and he got him more involved in this game. But just watching the game, I still think that Henderson right now is the better running back. So, I don't know, maybe you take a step back, keep Akers in a in a more of a third down role. I mean, he's a good pass catcher also. So, uh, I think Henderson right now is a better back. Yeah, uh, I'm not worried. Uh, you know, we talked about this in our preseason, uh, you know, preview. Uh, they can sort of dick around and goof around because the NFC is so bad. We, we just talked about Tampa Bay, probably right now the best team in the NFC, and they can't score points on offense. Uh, you know, the Rams seem a little inconsistent on both sides right now, but, you know, they'll be fine. We watched the Packers, and, yeah, they played much better than they did the week before, but, I, I mean, if they – give Fields a touchdown, it's in a seven-point game. Uh, So, you know, and granted the Eagles have looked good, but, you know, 
win over Detroit and then win over, uh, you know, we got the bad Minnesota, so I, I'm not quite ready to uh, crown them champions yet. So I, I think the Rams have plenty of time to space this out, you know, especially in this NFC side of things. Uh, but you just sort of look at it, and it's it's not quite right right this second. And they sort of got to figure that running game thing out uh, so they can put these games away. Like I said, it was 28-3, to and then they still had Stafford, you know, goofing around and throwing weird tight passes and uh, a couple picks and the other thing that it probably won't get noted but punting wise you know we we both talked about it they cut the punter because you know granted they had to cut salary and he's a veteran so he makes way more money than you know most punters should but that sort of reared its head a couple times here, and I think it might rear its head a couple more times in the season. Hopefully they can get that worked out because that's the kind of thing that does cost you playoff games, like a blocked punt or something like that. Oh, definitely so. You know, it's the small things that uh, no one really talks about, but uh, definitely missed me some Hecker. Uh, I understand why they had to let him go, and, but it, you notice the difference yeah. uh, with, with some of these better, you know, punters. Uh, and not just that, the entire uh, special teams unit as a whole. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Let's not spend too much time on this game because it wasn't, uh, you know, nothing to write home about. But uh, the Rams got the win, and uh, the Falcons performed pretty good. And, I mean, there was some nice things there. So, yeah. Uh, All right. Next one we won't spend too much time on other than the Trey Lance thing because uh, <laughs> oh. uh, basically Seattle yeah. uh, was borderline – uh, a college team in this game. Um, you know, Lance goes down on, I think, second or third series, breaks his ankle, and honestly, I, I think it's a concern now because you look at this guy's career, and it, it's basically probably going to be really sad. He, he played his red shirt freshman year at North Dakota State, led them to the subdivision championship. That's when you started to hear buzz about him being a first-round pick. You know, that COVID season hits. He has to, you know, he doesn't get to play that season. You know, then he gets drafted by the 49ers, who already have a quarterback, who are already contenders. So basically, he sits out the next season. And, I, I mean, basically, you could count this as sitting out the season as well. He, he played a game on a field that was basically a swimming pool in, in a storm and got two series in this game. And it's it's... Basically, when he comes back next year, he will not really have played football for four years. And he always needed development, and it's just it's hard to get it if you haven't played football. And now you add a broken ankle onto that. Now, it, I, I read it wasn't like, you know, a, a, it's hard to say serious ankle, but it wasn't one of those where, you know, it splits, you know, in half and it's hanging sideways like this on the field, but... So it wasn't like a compound fracture, but I, I still think that's it's a mental thing to overcome. Uh, I mean, you've seen it from Dak, who basically chose not to run at all last year, and then you look at some NBA guys who have had this because it's a little more common in basketball, but Gordon Haywood has not been the same basketball player since that. Paul George basically was a relentless driver, and basically changed his game into a jump shooter 
a, a really good jump shooter and still a great player. But I, I think that sort of affects you, and it, I just worry that, you know, he's never even going to get a chance for his career to even start in this thing. Yeah, listen, it's really unfortunate. As you mentioned, he had to go through all those obstacles coming out of college and then getting to the pros, having to sit behind Jimmy G when Jimmy G was leading, leading his team to playoff victories. And, you know, then he finally gets his shot. You know, they have a, a playoff caliber team, and, and he gets the call. It's your team now. You're going to lead us to victory. And, and he comes out. He has a horrible not, – not horrible. He has a bad game uh, It's his first week. In, in muddy, nasty conditions against these Bears. Uh, so you hope that he's going to pick it up against divisional rival Seattle, and he gets hurt. And the crazy thing about it is I didn't even notice that he had gotten hurt when I was first watching the game. Uh, it just all of a sudden, the play just stopped, and you saw players yeah. kind of starting to huddle around him. And I was like, oh, something's going on. I didn't even know who it was. Uh, as you mentioned, it wasn't as bad as it looked. That's the best way that I could put it, because it looked pretty nasty. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't as bad as it looked. Uh, but the Niners, you know, it kind of, here's some some uh, silver linings. Uh, you know, if you're the 49ers, or you're a 49er fan. You got Jimmy G yeah. uh, sitting on the bench, uh, the guy who led you to these uh, set playoff wins and, and you know, Super Bowl appearance. This is the guy. He was your backup. Now he, you've got him as a starter again. And for Jimmy G, a guy who made a pretty good amount of money with this team already, um, I don't know if he saw, but. He's getting a two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollar bonus for each game he plays. Uh, well, more basically, than he's going to get his contract that he renegotiated back uh, because he's the starter now. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make a pretty good uh, chunk of change this year. But uh, listen, the, I think the big concern now is, you know, can you can you get Jimmy G going? Because after the whole thing that happened, where you know, you're our guy. You're no longer our guy. We're trying to trade you. We can't trade you. We need you to renegotiate so you can stay here. Uh, after all that, does that affect his uh, his ment- his mentality going forward uh, for the long term? Because, yeah, listen, he won this game, you know, against the Seattle team that didn't play as well. Maybe they uh, gave too much that week one game against the Broncos, uh, and they were a little pooped out for this one because they didn't play the same way. Uh, but going forward, is he still the same guy? Is he still going to play with the same type of, uh, of of mentality that we saw from him from a couple seasons ago? Or does the fact that they basically shunned him and wanted to get rid of him just didn't happen, uh, does that affect his mentality? I, I don't know. I think that's the big question going forward. Yeah. The only thing I look forward to is everybody slurping him up and then in the playoff game when they decide to throw eight passes because they don't trust him and everybody going, oh, yeah, this is why we <laughs> didn't want him anymore. Uh, that's always uh, the fun uh, part of the season. But nonetheless, uh, nothing on the Seahawks. They look dreadful. And I don't want to hammer Geno Smith, but you see basically every pass was a two-yard check down. Yeah, you know, there's there's being conservative and, and safe, and then there's not even giving your chance uh, a team a chance to move the ball. Uh, I know he doesn't want to throw picks, but you, you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You got to occasionally push that ball downfield. You can't just check down, check down, check down, and then you're 24 of 28 for 147 yards. That does nobody any good. Well, you saw him in the last game. He yeah. pushed the ball a little more than we're used to seeing him do it, and they had some success. 
Now, granted, you got to have a little bit of a running attack to be able to open up some yeah. lanes. Uh, so that also affected it a little bit. But yeah, you're right. Uh, he did a t he did try a few deep passes, but it seemed like they were more of a you know hopefully he gets it type of pass, uh, and it just didn't work out for them. Now, I mean, the 49ers team is going to be tough regardless of who the yeah. quarterback is here. So uh, don't take too much away from them, but. We, didn't, we also didn't expect much from Seattle come into this season. We, th we need to merge Drew Locke and Geno Smith into one quarterback. One who will just chuck it anywhere and throws 50 picks, and the other who refuses to throw it beyond three yards. Uh, Geno, Geno Locke or Drew Smith? One of those needs to become a hybrid QB of somewhere in between, and we might be okay. Uh, Cowboys, Bengals. Uh We'll talk about the Cowboys defense because the offense, I mean, it, it, it wasn't there. I, I know everybody loves Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. But, <laughs> but they scored that opening uh, touchdown and then proceeded not to really do anything for it, the rest of the game. But I, I think this Bengals thing needs to be talked about. Wow. Uh Joe Burrow is on pace to be sacked 101 times on this season. Uh, I, I don't know if that will keep up. You know, they have played, you know, Watt Steelers and, you know, the Cowboys with Micah Parsons. But um, how much of this do you think is more the Bengals sort of regressing back to what we thought the Bengals sort of were up until the playoff run and how much of this is just, you know, a little fluke as you run up against two really, you know, high level pass rushing defense and just some bad luck here. I think it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, you know, you look at this Bengals team, first of all, it's a little concerning if you're a Bengals fan, because the last time we saw, uh, uh, we saw this quarterback get sacked that much he ended up on the IR for the year. Uh, so it's a little concerning. You want to protect your young quarterback. But, uh, again, it's, I think it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, because they play two th tough defenses that can get after the quarterback. So you got to take that into consideration. But also, there's no consistency on this offensive line. You have a lot of new guys, new pieces uh, that they brought in to try and fix the offensive line and their woes that they had last season, which was one of their biggest issues. The problem is that they just haven't been in battles in the trenches together long enough for there to be uh, that trust factor of, I know this guy's going to pick up that block, uh, that that pass rusher uh, because, you know, he's, he's going to take care of this guy. You just don't have that right now. And maybe as the season progresses, uh, you know, they, they get better. But again, they're the, you know, this team is in the AFC, a, a division, a conference that's gotten a lot better, over, you know, since last season. Uh, they don't have the luxury of waiting this out for it to fix itself. Yeah. They have to get it fixed. They have to get it fixed now. Uh, they're in a tough division, a uh, division that's, you know, very competitive. So they have to try to get this fixed now. Uh, if not, then uh, as good as this team is, as, as many weapons as they have, I think that there's a slight possibility that if you can't protect your quarterback, there's no way you're going to win any games. Yeah. I, I was just going to say they sort of have the opposite of the Rams here who can sort of tinker around and, you know, try this, try that you know, build to try to get into the playoffs because they have that cushion. You know, the Bengals 
don't really have that much of a cushion. Hey, you know, you think about it, they got two losses right now. What we say Buffalo, Kansas City, maximum number of losses, probably four. They're already halfway there. So thinking about grabbing like that top spot is already sort of on the fringes of occurring. And it's just, we'll see what they can do. I don't think the defense looks great either. Uh, so that might be a question mark because basically they've also come against two of, I mean, right now, the worst offenses in the league. Listen, it's, listen, okay. You can't, you can't, you can't take anything away from that defense, right? They have to go up against Cooper Rush, <laughs> all right, and Trubisky. I mean, <laughs> if that doesn't strike fear into the defensive coordinator, I mean, I don't know what will. All right, so don't, don't come on, take, go easy on them. Yeah. All right. So let's flip things to the Cowboys here. Uh, really nice win. It, it sort of keeps them alive. I gotta broach something with you. I think Micah Parsons might be coming for the defensive champ in Aaron Donald here. Um, that guy is ridiculous. I mean, he was in the backfield the whole freaking game. I don't know if he's quite grabbed him yet, but Parsons right now just looks on a different level than everybody else on the defensive end. Listen, you, you give me a guy. Uh, don't get me wrong. Micah Parsons was actually my pick for defensive player of the year, if yeah. you remember. Uh, so I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's a great defensive player. But give me a couple years of him being defensive player of the year or runner-up defensive player of the year, all pro consecutive for X amount of years. Give me a few years of that, and then maybe we can start talking about him taking over Aaron Donald. Uh, Aaron Donald's been doing it for a while now, and not just for a while. He's been doing it consistently, and not just consistently – They've been getting wins. They got a ring. So, you know, that you gotta take all that into consideration. So Michael Parsons, great player, but you know, stealing super high, but there's still a long way to go before I'm I just telling you, he's he's eyeing that championship belt. Bob Arum is getting involved right now to not give us the fight. So uh I'm just he was he was amazing in, in that game. Uh that's yeah, he was. one of the best I don't even, you can't really call him a linebacker because he literally lines up in six different he's, positions. Yeah, he's, he's, he's such a hybrid. You could just put him in different, multiple different positions. That's why I picked him, just because he, he's such a headache for, for offenses to figure out. You got you have to locate him. You have to locate where he's at at all times and, and adjust your protection accordingly. Yeah. So he's a disruptor, man. I, I really like watching him play. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's move to uh, Texans-Broncos. Once again, I I apologize for having to review this game. Um, I, I'm telling you right now, you're, you're going to have to start shutting down your Russell Wilson love because uh, he was brutal in this game, and this game was really, really bad. And the other thing is, I, I'm not one to hammer like first-year coaches but Nathaniel Hackett is, is starting to make me raise some eyebrows here in game management uh, sort of situations. I, you know, let's give him a month. Let's give him a little time and figure out how to call plays and manage games. Uh, but it's been really bad as well on that side of the ball. Uh, I can't think 
you thought the Broncos were going to come out and play this badly. The, the Seahawks game is one thing, but I, they, they were bad in this game, and that's a home game versus the Texans. Well, let, let's remember, you know, a couple of days ago when we were recording our pick show, if I'm not mistaken, what were they, a, a double-digit uh, yeah. spread favorite? Yeah, they were about uh, a 10-point favorite. I mean, even Vegas thought that this was a complete mismatch. And I, I think a lot of us just looked at the Seahawks game and were like, you know what, Russell Wilson coming back home, the crowd's booing him, you know, all these different emotions. The defense knows what he's got. So we just kind of chalked it up to week one, uh, you know, mishaps. But this going into this Texans game, I also thought the Broncos were going to win. Now, I, I really didn't feel comfortable about that spread, but I, I thought the Broncos would win this game. And, and they ended up winning it, but it wasn't in, in, yeah. this, in the way that I thought it was going to happen. I don't mark this as a win. It, it might go as a win, but... In the, listen, in the books, it, it counts as a win, but I get where you're coming from. It's just, it was just an ugly performance. And uh, you know me, I, I'm always singing uh, Russell Wilson's praises, uh, but... I have to call it as I see it. And he just, he's been playing really bad. And I don't know uh, if there's a lack of confidence there, you know, with the new, with the new location. And I don't know what's going on, but he, he also looks a little bit heavier than we've seen him in, in last couple of seasons. Uh, uh, so his ability to scramble isn't quite what it has been before. Uh He's just got to play better, man. You know, yeah. this is one of those teams that we just thought was going to be a wrecking ball coming out of the AFC uh, West, and they're just not doing anything. And I know they got the win, but, I mean, can you really count it as a win? Yeah. I, I This is what I keep into my mind when I think maybe they sneak into the playoffs and I get a free money bet watching this team because whoever is going to play them is going to crush them. So, uh uh, you know, anything on the Texans other than I, I think we both respect how spunky they play. They just probably aren't good enough to really win games. And that's sort of how this played out. I, I still respect the fact that even after all the losses they had, all the drama that they've been going through over the last couple of seasons, you know, they're putting themselves in position for success in the future. But at least they're playing respectable football right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of game mismanagement, uh, welcome to Las Vegas. Uh, the Raiders got up 20 nothing. The Cardinals looked uh, atrocious, would be kind. Um, and then the Raiders decided they no longer wanted to play football for the second half. Uh, now, that being said, Arizona didn't exactly come out in the second half and were gangbusters either, but because the Raiders kept giving them chances, uh, eventually Arizona seized those chances, and then, uh, you know, I, I came in with high hopes for Josh McDaniel, but it, it, this game I thought was terribly, terribly mismanaged and if you're out there getting out coached by Kingsbury who on the two-point conversion calls a timeout then gets a delay a game and then has to go eight yards for the two-point conversion granted the Raiders gave it up now there was a shady little holding call in there but nonetheless uh which one of these are you 
higher on here right now, or are we just pretending these two teams don't exist? Listen, I'm I'm a little higher on the Raiders simply because they're paying for proven talent uh, in Devontae Adams, whereas Arizona's paying for guys that just can't get over the hump in Murray. Uh, and, you know, going back to our, pre-se- our preseason show, I-, I talked about having the Raiders as possibly my fourth team in the AFC West, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that, one, I didn't trust uh, McDaniels. You know, I don't care what you say. I know that, uh, you know, he's done it before. He was a head coach. Uh, and and didn't really work out for him. So he went back to coordinating again, back to his old stomping grounds. So what was it about the first time as an offensive coordinator that didn't translate to a head coach that all of a sudden is going to happen now? So that that was one of my concerns was the head coaching. And the other one was Derek Carr. It just seems that so many instances where he should just, uh, you know, be rolling, he seems to really not bring the energy and, and – puts himself behind the eight ball. And that's what happened in this game because uh, this game was pretty much a, a done deal, I thought. And, and they just laid down and, and they led the Cardinals back into the game. Uh, if you're a Cardinal fan, it must be one like a really exciting comeback win. But, I mean, if you're a Raider fan, it's, it's disappointing because that game was pretty much done with. And, and I don't even know how they managed to make a comeback. But um, you have to blame the head coach on that because yeah. – uh, there was some bla- there was some bad play calls. There was some bad clock management, and ultimately, I think you change those things, and the game is altered at least the way it, it finished. Yeah, and then you get a reprieve in, in overtime. You, you get the ball. You got it on the forty-four. You're indoors with one of the better kickers, and you throw three straight times and twice to a guy who just fumbled the play before and then he fumbles again and it's like how about you run the ball with josh jacobs who was averaging about six yards a carry i don't know or maybe you do that in the second half instead of going three and out and burning no seconds off the clock it it, just poor management all along uh nice little comeback by the cardinals they showed a little life uh I, I'm not going to be real aggressive in taking them again next week just because the last eight minutes of the game they showed a little life because uh, they were pathetic for three-fourths of it. So, yeah, uh, really disappointed more in the Raiders here uh, than anything. All right, uh, Green Bay and the Bears. Um, the Bears aren't very good on offense. I, I guess they're okay on defense. Packers came out, played a little bit more like I thought they'd play this season where they basically just handed the ball to Jones and Dylan and then, you know, let Aaron Rodgers make a couple passes. Uh, anything really to break down deep in this game? It was, I don't know. This wasn't a football game. The Packers are much better than the Bears. Yeah, it just, uh, you know, the only thing is just a very shocking uh, difference uh, with the way that field now it's not a huge difference, but very shocking uh, just how poorly uh, Fields played this game. Uh, going up against what you think is a lesser defense compared to the one he went up against the prior week. So, uh, but yeah, uh, not too much here. Uh, Packers just a better team, and they got the easy W. Yeah. All right. Uh, Monday night, uh, Bills forty-one-seven. I-, I talked about it on Friday. How I, I just I think the Bills are going to be one of that team that lights everybody up pretty much all season long. Uh, even with uh, a couple banged-up injuries, uh, the Titans 
are not really a match for the Bills, uh, despite some uh, propaganda about the uh, Titans' ability to upset teams. Uh, the only thing that I come away from this game is, once again, Derrick Henry, 10 carries, 15 yards. I, I don't know if we sound the alarm bells in Week 2, but... Um, it's getting closer and closer to sounding alarm bells. If you don't have him carrying your offense, and now you don't even have receivers to really burn anybody on the play action, what do you have sort of as an outlook for this Titans team right now? Uh, you know, I guess a positive outlook here is that you at least got Robert Woods uh, somewhat uh, involved in this game compared to the last game. Um and the receivers seem to be trying to at least come along. But the problem is Derrick Henry just isn't playing like Derrick Henry. And if he's not playing like Derrick Henry, you know, then you don't have to load the box. You can bring in that extra, uh, you know, uh, speedy guy uh, in coverage. And you can give, you can cause fits for these young receivers all day long. Uh, I mean, when your veteran guy is Robert Woods, no offense, I love Robert Woods. You know me, I, I'm a big uh, Bobby Trees guy. Uh, but when he's your number one, uh, he's your veteran, he's he's the main guy, and all the other guys are just a bunch, a bunch of young players. Uh, I mean, defense, especially like defense like this, like the Bills, a uh, championship caliber defense, they're just going to feast. And uh, they were pinning their especially ears back once there. They get up. Once they get up, it's done. Oh, yeah. You saw Von Miller. He was he was licking his chops. He, he had his ears pinned back, and he was getting after the quarterback. Uh, this Bills team, man, it's just – listen, I, I – I, I'm like you. I don't like taking double-digit spreads. Uh, you know, if I do, it's probably on the dog side because uh, these are professional teams. But I took the what was it, ten and a half yeah. for the uh, for the Bills. You took an even crazier <laughs> one that I couldn't even believe. Uh, but it, it was. I listen, call it, it the dynamite special. Bills minus uh, twenty-three and a half. <laughs> uh, my favorite part was you know getting up for work and uh, looking at my phone and um, looking at our group chat. And it says, I'm just going to leave this here. Uh, that was that was beautiful. I don't think he's posted on that. He hasn't that. spoken all day, mind you. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, but listen, this Bills team, man, if they could stay healthy, how are they not the favorites to win it all? Yeah. Uh, they're just so good on every facet of the game, special teams, uh, defense, offense. The quarterback's playing really good. Wide receivers having a monster year. Stephon Diggs, man, what was three touchdowns? Well, yeah, uh, when you man him up every <laughs> every time. <laughs> First, I knew he was going to launch a ball 70 yards off his back foot. Uh, that doesn't signal a recipe for success. But, yeah, you mentioned it. I, I mean, I sang Josh, pra Josh Allen's praises last week, but he is – he is on fire right now. And I thought what was more important, they didn't even have to run him this game. That I think that's very big to sort of, I don't want to say save his body, but he doesn't need to be running in a game like this and risking himself. You know, playoff games, big games, go at it. But in this kind of game, let him launch deep balls to Diggs as they, for some reason, man up <laughs> Stefan Diggs. Uh, but, yeah, I, there's nothing... Bills are going to be really, really good as long as health uh, sort of permits here. Uh, let's flip to the other game, and uh, I, I don't want to do what I told you so, but uh, I warned you about falling in love with this Minnesota Vikings team, and 
Do I say you got Viking or do I say you got cousins? Or do I just say you got Viking cousins, dear? Uh, because uh, they were awful. Uh, really, really bad. Yeah, I, I guess you could say I got scold. Is, is, that, is that what they say? Um, man, I, I really thought uh, just based off how the Eagles defense that performed over the last couple over, you know, their last game. I, I really thought that this offense for the Vikings would be able to put together uh, a potent enough attack that they would at least get within striking range, but this wasn't even close. I mean, no. they just could not get anything going. And uh, again, I fell for it. And I say it every week. It seems like every week that I talk about the Vikings, I, I say they are the most Jekyll and Hyde team in, in recent history. Uh, at least as far as I can remember. They they look amazing last week. Uh, it looked like there's no stopping them. Justin Jefferson's all over the place uh, doing the, the gritty. Is that what they call it? You yes. Know? Uh, at my age, you don't know about these new dances. So, uh, But, you know, he's out there doing the gritty. You've got, you know, Cook running all over the place. You know, you got Thielen with the yellow gloves. And and then they come out this week and they look, they look completely flat. I mean, uh, this is not the most Shekel and High team in history Then I, I – it's got to be at least a close second. Yeah. Uh, you know, turns out Kevin O'Connell isn't a football messiah. Putting <laughs> Je Jefferson in motion did not solve all ills because Darius Slay locked him up and he couldn't get free at all. Uh, Cousins did Cousins primetime things, which he always does. And I, I think we saw the uh, Minnesota defense exposed a, a little bit, you know. They, they found a nice rhythm versus Green Bay, but I, I don't think Green Bay was really ready to play in that game. Now, that's a game Minnesota had to have, but honestly, I, I think the Vikings are just going to have to win shootouts. And when they don't get into games where they can shoot out and score seven points, they're probably going to lose. Uh, Eagles side of thing, really was impressed with Hurts. I, I think Hurts has come to the point now where He's going to win you NFL regular season games. I think you go to that sort of spin it forward question. Can he win you playoff games now? Because I, I think you got a good, solid NFL quarterback. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if he can make every throw you need him to do, and it's probably still a little bit of a, you know, one receiver look kind of guy, but he'll win you NFL football games, and it just sort of, can he win you playoff games now? Uh, but I, I was really impressed with Hurts in this game. Yeah, as was I. You know, I've been kind of singing his praise over the last uh, couple of uh, seasons, last couple of weeks, and uh, going back to last season. And you know, he he shows a lot of really good things. His ability to scramble and extend the play uh, is one of the best right now in the league. My concern with him is his development doesn't seem to be moving fast enough at the pace that you need it to be for him to be a playoff winning quarterback. He's getting there. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, he, you, you catch him in too many instances, uh, staring down receivers. And uh, once you get later on to playing those elite defenses, they're going to feast on you. If you, if you keep, you know, staring down AJ Brown all, all game long. Uh, and not just that his availability, his durability, that is also a concern. Uh, because when you have to run the ball this much, don't get me wrong, I like how exciting it is. It's exciting to watch. But when you have to run the ball to be this successful as a quarterback, I mean, you saw what happened with Lamar Jackson. You get banged up, season's pretty much over. So, um, 
you know, good for them. They got they got a good win here, uh, uh, and and they looked really good doing it. But th- there's definitely some concerns going forward. Uh, but it's nothing that can't be fixed with uh, a, a little bit of uh, development. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, that wraps up the week. We'll be back on uh, Friday for our picks and bets show. Be sure to check that out. Dynamite David will be in the studio tomorrow for our college football picks and bets show. Tough week for the Dynamite last week. Tough week for me on the college front last week. Uh, Double losers. So uh, not a great week for us. Uh, Got a little bit better on the NFL side of things. But nonetheless, be on the lookout for all those shows. Like and subscribe. That's our show, and we're out.